Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 99. That's like the guy who does everything for the neighborhood and then he goes home and does nothing for his wife, right? He yells at her and kicks the dog, right? (laughs) (laughs) Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet to Kardashian immediately.
All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today we're back with a podcast favorite, Tracy Crossley. Tracy is an intuitive empath and an inspiration mentor. Her blend of intuition, business acumen, psychology, Reiki, spirituality, and subconscious pattern breaking helps people identify their real obstacles and connect emotionally. If you didn't get to listen to our first episode with Tracy, go back to episode 58. You're going to love it. Yes, it was amazing, and we're so excited to have her back. Her straightforward approach has attracted CEOs, people in work-life transition, and other type A individuals who think intellectualizing problems is the key to solving them. I'll give you a hint. It isn't. It's not, right? (laughs) No. I speak from experience. (laughs) Me too. Tracy studied neuropsychology and received her BA from Charter Oak State College. She's a Reiki master and a blogger for publications like Huffington Post and Elephant Journal. But before we get to our interview with Tracy, we have to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Acuity Scheduling. Are you sick of booking clients through email ping pong? You suggest a time, then they suggest a time, and before you know it, you've spent hours wasting that time just to book one person. Yes, it's the worst. Or maybe it's phone tag. You call them, leave a message, they call you, leave a message. All this wasted time trying to book an appointment that works for you both. It's frustrating, it's wasting time that you could be spending on building your business. That's exactly where Acuity founder Gavin Zuklinski found himself once upon a time in the year 2006. He saw his dear mom, Kim, struggling with her massage therapy business, just like Susie has. That's right. Just as she'd settled in to begin a session with a client, the phone would ring, instantly birthing a pit in the bottom of her stomach. Should she leave the client and get to the phone? Should she leave the phone to be with the client? How was she supposed to do it all? After all, she only had so many hands. And in a job where your hands are what people are paying for, this wasn't just a cute dilemma. It was her bottom line. That's right. So Zuklinski decided there had to be a better way, and he built it. Acuity now supports over 50,000 businesses and major corporations and has had a digital hand in helping to schedule millions of appointments and scheduling logistics worldwide. And Susie, I have to say, Acuity has definitely helped us in our business. We use it to book all our guests on the Food Heals podcast. And Susie was a little apprehensive at first. I was. I absolutely was. You know, I'm kind of tech challenged. I'm sort of self-taught. You know, I'm in my 30s. I'm not a millennial. I wasn't born knowing how to wield all this stuff. And it's constantly changing. Sure. And I think many people can understand that. Just as you learn one thing, then the technology changes. But when you said we were going to switch to Acuity... I was like, oh no, how do I, what do I have to learn? I don't even know how to do this. It's, hi, I need, a, I need, a, I need someone to teach me. <laughs> no, I did not need someone to teach me. I needed to take the plunge and just, it was very easy to learn. And once I did, I thought, oh my God, we wasted so much time before yep. trying to schedule our guests. It's so easy. It's so easy. The guests can just book themselves. They can fill out the form. And they can reschedule themselves. Yes. I mean, they have to cancel. They have to reschedule. They can do it all on their own. It's brilliant. And it goes straight to our calendar. So our calendar tells us who we have, when they're coming, everything. It's fantastic. I love it. So Food Heals Nation, if you run a business, book appointments, or just need some organization in your life, you owe it to yourself to check out Acuity Scheduling. Go to acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals to get a free 45-day trial. That is such a good deal. It's usually 14 days, but we scored an exclusive deal for you. So you can try it out. Acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals. Next up, our interview with Tracy. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. 
All right, we're back with Tracy Crossley. The road that led to becoming a coach and mentor didn't seem to be on Tracy's agenda. Clearly, the universe had other ideas, and through a series of synchronistic events, she trained to become a love coach eight years ago. It was an area she struggled with for most of her life, from self-loathing as a young girl to not being seen in relationships as she truly was. Her trail was strewn with a lot of people-pleasing and trying to appear perfect. But she overcame it all, and she's here today. We're so glad to have her back. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, I am totally happy to be back. Thank you for having me again. We're so glad to have you. So for anyone who didn't have a chance to listen to your first episode, can you just give Food Heals listeners a taste of who you are and what you do? Sure. I basically work with men and women and help them to become more empowered. And I do that in a variety of ways. Most people will either seek me out to have an intuitive reading where they want to have some kind of idea around what's going on, usually with a relationship or their job. And then that seems to lead to coaching. Or I have people that show up and want energy work. And then that ends up leading to coaching because with coaching or mentoring, it is really where participants know that it's something inside of them that has to change. And it's not necessarily about the outside circumstances. But when people originally show up for a reading or for energy work, they think it's something that can be easily resolved. And usually they find they need to do the deeper work. And that's where I step in with the coaching. And I coach people of all ages, but I would say the majority of people are probably between the ages of 30 and 60. Got it. And let's talk about that a little bit, because I know that I had to do the work and I'm still doing the work. It's not like the work stops. (laughs) I think there's just a point where you realize you got to do some work on yourself and then you're able to overcome things, you know, gradually over time, sometimes really quickly and sometimes it takes longer times. But let's talk about how to stop the vicious cycle of attachment, emotional unavailability and disappointment, which is something we know that you like to talk about and we saw on your website. (laughs) yes i do and in three sentences or less go go just (laughs) (laughs) wow three sentences right okay well here's the thing i discovered in myself i guess it's been about five years at least that i had attachment issues and i ended up working through them and simultaneously i was a coach and it appeared that the universe basically sent me people who also had attachment issues and Let me at least clarify a little bit around that. When I say attachment issues, most of us as human beings, we become attached. And as kids, we either had secure attachment with our parents or insecure attachment with our parents. Mm -hmm. And I really get the people who have had insecure attachment with their parents because that has become their relationship style and not just intimate relationships, but all relationships are affected by their attachment style. So I help people to overcome it. I help people to actually get to the point where they feel valuable as a human being, you know, building their self-worth and their confidence and giving them a sense of freedom because you really don't feel like you have any kind of freedom when you're in attachment because you're so anxious and you're so worried and you're totally focused on another person and what they're going to give to you or not give to you. And then that leads you to basically having your whole world revolve around that. 
Yeah, I, you know, Tracy, when you were saying that, I was kind of having an aha moment because I studied psychology and I remember in developmental psychology, which is child psychology, baby psychology, basically, mm-hmm. about how the styles of attachment, there's secure, insecure, and I think there's ambivalent too. And I was always like, oh my God, I'm either ambivalent or insecure. And then I was being ambivalent about what style of attachment I actually had. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember that sticking out to me because I was like, even though I remember my mom doing the best that she could as a, she was a stay-at-home mom and you know, cooked for us and ex- and expressed her love. And and I still think despite all of what she did, I still have some kind of insecure attachment style in my relationships and as well as like how I feel about myself. I mean, I think everybody as humans, except for maybe a certain Republican nominee, everybody has some kind of insecurities. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a, that's a very insecure person. Yeah. Yes. No, right. I know. Yeah. But I we think can he, say his name. I don't want to say his name is like Voldemort. I don't want to say his name. Okay, okay. We all know who we're talking about. <laughs> we, we act like it's a curse word or something. It probably it will be. It is. Anyway, I don't want to talk is. about him. But yeah, you're right. And I think I think that's just that's just human is to be have somewhat some insecurities and then to overcome them is some more than others. I'm rambling a little bit right now, but I feel like that particularly struck a chord with me when you just said that with attachment style. I think most people don't even know about that. Can you delve into that a little bit more? Sure. So the thing with attachment style, and it's interesting because all of the statistics say like it's maybe 30% of the population that has attachment issues. But like you said, I think everybody has some insecurities. It's to the degree that mm-hmm. you suffer from it. And in an in insecure attachment, there's three different kinds that they have categorized it to be. And one of them is what you were talking about. It's the ambivalent anxious. And then you have the avoidant anxious. And then you have disorganized fearful. And each of those, even though there's a little bit of, I'd say, crossover with each of these, they're still a little bit different than each other. And some of it has to do with, you know, not making yourself a victim, first of all, that, oh my God, my parents are so horrible. It's not that your parents had to be horrible. It's they had a certain parenting style and their parenting style didn't really jive with you as a kid. Like when I was raised, the whole don't give your kids too much, don't spoil the kids with too much attention or affection. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, let the kid cry in its crib for hours. That was the norm. Mm -hmm. You know, if your child or you were a child and you were sick or you got hurt and your parents didn't really come running to your rescue, that also was a sign. And this is more of like the avoidant anxious attachment where Your parents really were not about you expressing any kind of emotion or feeling that was, let's say, negative or you were crying or you were in pain. And they basically pushed the kids out of the nest early, not physically, but Mm -hmm. emotionally. Mm -hmm. So you were prematurely independent. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because, I mean, I don't feel like I had that experience. I kind of had the opposite experience. But then you read so much, like I feel like 
all these books and parenting books will tell you completely conflicting advice. One will be, you know, let the kid cry it out in the crib. And the other will be, oh, you have to nurture and sleep with the baby. That's attachment parenting, right? So, yeah. and I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong, because I really don't know. I'm not a mother yet. But in terms of that, what would your advice be? Because I've always wondered that, because I have friends that are parents, and they take very different approaches. And I know there's no perfect approach. But like, what's the middle ground? Like, what is the best way to act in such a way that your child grows up independent, but still knowing it's loved, right? Like, where's that balance? Well, Okay, so with these attachment styles, by the way, Mm -hmm. these are not anywhere, let's say, in the norm, okay? Okay. And that was just an example of one parenting style that's Mm -hmm. an attachment style. Mm -hmm. The problem is you're talking about, like, in this case, let's say the avoidant anxious. What ends up happening is the parent isn't even aware that they're doing this, first of all. You know, you, they're not going, oh, okay, I'm stifling my kid. Right, and right, my right. kid, you know, is not <laughs> going to be able to express themselves. You want to be able to give your children some place to express themselves with being able to say, okay, your feelings are honored. Not that, hey, your feelings are honored and we're going to go to Disneyland. It's, hey, your feelings are honored and you're heard and you have value and you have worth. It's not about rewarding. It's not about you know, putting them on a pedestal, which was crazy when I was raising my kids because they could go to a birthday party and everybody got an award, you know, (laughs) you're all winners. That doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, so the problem is with coming up with, okay, the attachment style. Well, you can tell when somebody did not have any kind of secure attachment where they didn't ever feel heard and they took up things like people pleasing or trying to be perfect because they felt that they had to do something. It's a strategy. They had to do a strategy. And as a kid, you have limited strategies because you have limited life experiences. And so people tend to, as children, pick these up, bring them forward as adults. They still have a five-year-old strategy. Right. And that's what you find. And these people are in a lot of pain and that's why they reach out because they think, oh my gosh, somebody is calling out to me and saying, hey, this is what you're going through. I see it. I've been there. And here is what you can do to get to the other side. So what are some tools that you offer your clients? Like what are some ways? Is it talk therapy? Is it meditation? Like, what do you recommend? Is it a magic wand that just wave over them? Because that's what I'm looking for. uh, Me too. A magic pill. I I bet Tracy has one. (laughs) I hate to do another Harry Potter reference, but I bet she would have a magic wand if they exist. Tracy? Oh my God. Totally. Are you kidding? I want a magic wand for me. That's what I mean. (laughs) Yes. Well, there are several things you can do. And most of my clients that I work with have some kind of an attachment issue, whether it's the relationship they're in or one that they are no longer in but cannot let go of. And first, it starts with an awareness. I mean, awareness is the tool for everything, whatever is going on, whether it's an attachment issue or you have some other insecurities that are showing up. It's to have the awareness. First of all, what is the insecurity? Most people can't name it. Most people have a lot of reasons and excuses and other minutia, which I call a story that they, they've sold themselves. So they don't even know what's underneath it, which is what the insecurity is that is based on a core belief that they have. Right. And so 
we get into the awareness and then we get into, okay, now we know what's there. Why is it there? And what purpose is it serving? Because a lot of times, and this is the, excuse me, the screwed up part of it. I would have said fucked up, but I don't think you <laughs> so Do it. Like, Do it. I fully support you cursing. I was like, that's not bad. What's wrong with screwed up? <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably have to edit that whole thing, but um, nah, anyway. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that most people, so we have these stories and to actually get underneath the story and see what the big truth is, what the big belief is, which is something around I'm bad, I'm wrong. There's like 30 different false beliefs we have. And right. so people tend to find one of them. And then there's a benefit. That's the screwed up part. The screwed up part is you have to look at the benefit because your subconscious is here to protect you. And so when you were five and you were going through whatever you were going through, you came up with a strategy and that is in your subconscious. It's in autopilot. And so you have to be able to see that and go, holy crap, that's what's holding me back or that's what it's doing. But on the other hand, it's keeping me safe, or I should say a false sense of safety. It's keeping me stuck in these patterns because they're familiar and that keeps you sort of in a box. And on the one hand, it may feel good. On the other hand, it totally sucks because mm -hmm. you're in pain. So it's sort of like a backhanded benefit. And people choose to stay there for some people for their entire life. I work with people who work either really quickly or really slowly. I find people that are doers, that are type A personalities, usually get through these things pretty quickly. It's other people who have been doing this for so long and don't have a sense of direction, you know, like any, I don't really have any goals kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that I find this is such a, let me take little tiny baby steps, course of action. You know, I learned about this in grad school and I feel like I was the type that was going to clear them all quickly. Like, I guess that's the type A, like you were saying. And I would do all this work. And what I realized, and I'm wondering if this happens with you and your clients, is that my ego was clearing the issues to get them out of the way. But authentically, they weren't really clear. They were just put out of the way. And I would cry a little and I'd have a realization. And I think the realizations were real. They weren't fake. But at the same time, my ego was working to get it done, to move on to the next thing, to move on to the next issue, to make sure I was completely clear of all my misbeliefs, of all my patterns, etc. But then if you don't really, truly clear them, they come back, right? Do you have that experience oh, yeah. with clients and people? Do other people do that? Or is it just me? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. So you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think and, so. <laughs> yeah. And if you go to my website and I talk about type A people in your head, or your ego, whatever you'd like to refer to it as, this is the problem. We can all go pick up self-help books. We can watch somebody at a workshop. We can watch a video on YouTube. Anything that gives us, oh my gosh, yeah, I could do that. That's me. I see that. And then what we do is we get it, we kind of marinate on it, but it doesn't get into our subconscious. It doesn't get into the emotions and you have to have an emotional experience to change anything in your subconscious, first of all. Yeah. So say why, that again. Wait, Say why? it again. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you have to have an emotional experience to change anything in your subconscious. And I said, why? Okay. So why? Because your subconscious, if you were to, I don't want to, I don't know, put it up on a screen. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're looking at it on a screen. It's, <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my own visualization. Um, <laughs> you're going to hear it and you're going to go, why is she laughing? <laughs> no, but in grad school, they called it the movie. So you're like really channeling everything I've already learned. I love this. I'm so excited. Okay, cool. So you have this screen and what happens is your life is a movie. Really, it is a movie. Yeah. And you're going along and then let's say a painful incident happens. Okay. Somebody calls you a name. And you're five years old. Yep. And perhaps it's your parent, right? Your mom or dad said, you're a selfish brat, let's say. Okay. And all of a sudden, there's this feeling, a pit in your stomach. You feel like, oh my gosh, who am I? What am I doing? You cry, you do whatever. I mean, there's so many different places you go, especially if that's not the first time, let's say, that you're being called something. So right. now in this movie... You know, there's this moment of emotional anguish and the feeling of, I don't want to be vulnerable again yeah. because you're vulnerable. So you have strategies and this is all intellectual. You, know, you don't have a, a deeper emotional experience telling you, well, I do have self-worth no matter what somebody calls me. You don't have that at five years old. So you have these strategies you come up with and that becomes how you respond in a situation where somebody calls you that name. And that can go in any direction. You could go to the direction of reward. Well, no, I'm going to act the opposite. Like me, I became the people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I never wanted people to dislike me. I was told that I couldn't have friends or I was a horrible person. I mean, I don't need to get into the nitty gritty of it. But the things I was told, it made me act the opposite at times or it would make me rebel. Right. It just depended on what the situation was. And so your subconscious is set up with all these emotional experiences because the bottom line is your subconscious is here to protect you. Like back in the day when we had to go foraging for food or there was a saber toothed tiger outside of the cave, it was there to protect us, to keep us alive. And now it's here to protect us in the same way, but it's, it's with our emotions. It's with the choices we make. And so when you have all these strategies that, I'm sorry, when you're 25, 40, 60 of a five-year-old, it really doesn't work. But it's to get to what the hell is going on in your subconscious and, and being able to see it clearly and then doing something with it. But it's not, again, an intellectual pursuit. It is extraordinary, isn't it? It's, it's like Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Well, it's hard because an intellectual pursuit is what most people might think of it as intellectuals. But until you tap into that memory, to that emotion, to that time when you were triggered and realize that that is now affecting you when you're 20, 30, 40, 60, then you can't change it. And so that's a really important component. And I didn't know any of this. Well, uh, I remembered what I, I was going to say. I figured you would. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. talked for a minute and Susie she, figures she it out. She gave me the space to remember <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's, as you mentioned, these other experiences that our ancestors had to deal with, a saber-toothed tiger or surviving a plague. It's so much more complicated. These are interpersonal relationships where 
You know, if you're told as a child that you're not worthy, it is grand in the scheme of things in terms of your persona and your self-worth. But it's like, it's not like a saber-toothed tiger. It is it is so complicated. It's fascinating to me. It's it's fascinating how our subconscious works and how it in, ties into our conscious life. It's, it's fa- I'm fascinated. Yeah, it is really <laughs> fascinating because one, it's so funny. I have a client who we were doing a session and she is somebody who, I've described, you know, this personality and the intellectualizing and she could go to her therapist and say all the right things, but walk out of there still feeling crappy because Mm -hmm. she knew what to say. Right. And we were, we were doing a session and she had had a health scare and it brought out all sorts of stuff from her past about feeling alone. And it was really funny because we were going through this exercise and she's like, my subconscious, my subconscious is a fucking bitch. And I'm sick of her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because it was, I mean, most of us become so frustrated by it because you can't intellectually get yourself out of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So Tracy, can we go back for a second? So what, sure. how does an emotional experience, you said we need an emotional experience to change our subconscious. Did you say something like that? Yes. So now what you have to do is you want to have inspired action. Inspired action. Yes. So first of all, you have the awareness, right? And it's the understanding of what it is, why it's there. And then you can see it from beginning, you know, the seeds of when it was planted or at least what your brain thinks when it was planted. And then you can see it coming forward. So once you have all of that awareness then it leads you to choice, right? So I'm going to put myself in a position because I work with people and they're in these emotional situations, whether it's in a relationship, their job, whatever it is. In fact, I had a client recently who was really going through this where she didn't want to step into that action place. So she was still stuck at the decision, the decision of do I do something that I would call inspired action, which is emotional action, or do I keep going down the same road? The key to emotional action is when you get uncomfortable. Then you know. Wait, can you say that again? Yes. So the key to inspired action, which is emotional action, is when you do something that is uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable right now just talking about this. Okay, it please. can be kind of scary. Yeah. Because you can't control the outcome. Right. And that is what most of us do. Because when you're a kid and you're not wanting to be vulnerable, it's so that you can control the outcome. Well, if I do this, this isn't going to happen again. And so when you get into being an adult and you're doing this work, you go, okay, I'm going to actually speak my truth. I'm going to say something that I would never say. And not to blame another person, but to say, I feel this way or this is what's true for me. And usually, I mean, I have people who will avoid it, but I have more of my, my type A's who will jump right into the line of fire. And usually they find something amazing. They find that they end up building confidence. They find that they end up feeling more in control of their lives without controlling other people. 
Absolutely. I can think of a, an example of this in my own life. And Susie, you may be able to relate. And actually, Tracy as well, because we all do podcasts. So Tracy will ask you about your podcast. But for me, the podcast is about having an authentic voice and being myself. And there have been so many times in my life from childhood through adulthood, where I feel that my voice has been silenced by others' judgment of me and my opinions, what I believed or what I was doing, having nothing to do with what we're talking about now, like, you know, psychology or food or anything that uh, the topics that we talk about, but so many times. And so I had these traumas I didn't even realize, like until I went to grad school. But you don't, right? Because that's what your what your mind does. It protects you. Yeah, it made up misbeliefs. It, right. it made up the the misbelief of stay quiet, and you know, no one will be mad at you. Stay quiet, and no one will judge you. Oh, I know. So, <laughs> so, so I've done plenty of work on this throughout the years. And I'm not going to say that I'm 100% anything, but the podcast wouldn't have started if I hadn't done the work, you know? I can say with full authority, my co host is 100% awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. You're welcome. In my psychology class, what Susie was just doing was called prizing, where she tells the client how great and wonderful they are. So thank you for prizing me, Susie. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel you. You know, I feel like, especially not to keep out our any male listeners right now, but I I feel like especially as women, like for myself, from my own experience, when I was young, I was not allowed to feel anger. Mm-hmm. I was allowed to be mm-hmm. sad. I was allowed to be mopey or depressed. I was never allowed to express anger. And when I got angry as a kid, I would cry mm-hmm. because I was not al- like if I got angry, I, I was just shut down. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like as women and men have, you know, I'm not, well, again, men are not, usually the opposite. I mean, yeah. not to categories, but many times they're told, don't cry. You can right. get angry. Anger is okay, but crying is right, not allowed. Right, right, right. So, like, just as women, for all our female listeners, like, I feel like this is particularly pertinent in terms of self worth and, and owning our own stuff. And, and yeah. So, once you realize what the issue is and you decide to do the work on it, let's talk about how you end up becoming like a more wonderful, vibrant version of yourself versus becoming the Republican candidate who apparently we're not allowed to name, which is fine. But you can say it. <laughs> I just don't want to say it. Okay, we won't say it. But like, fuck him. But like, anyway, sorry. If you don't know. <laughs> See, Tracy, I'm with you. I'll curse all day long. This podcast is so rated R. I'm so sorry we, to anyone. We could with make children. it worse. I could make it worse right now. <laughs> oh man, we got a letter with a woman with children, and she said, "I have children in the car when I listen to you." And I was like, "You know what? You shouldn't do that." Because <laughs> I don't think we can censor ourselves. Okay. What was I saying? Okay, the difference between when you discover your self-worth, and I know that it's like discovering your authentic self versus your ego-based self. But if you were doing the work like I originally was, my type of a ego self was doing it, I might have thought, and of course I didn't go this route, but there's a, there's guru. Remember there was the guy and I'll, I won't name him either to be politically correct or whatever, but he was a spiritual leader. And then he ended up doing a retreat in Sedona where a lot of people died and he had just gotten too 
big in his head, just like this Republican leader. Anyways, the point is, how do we become big and have the most highest self-worth within ourselves without turning into a egomaniac? Yeah, a demon egomaniac. So what's the difference, Tracy? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a huge difference. And I'm hoping that I can make it clearer because for me, there's so many nuances to that sort of question. And first of all, most people like this guy you're describing, they know how to manipulate people. They may not outwardly or inwardly think that they are manipulating, but they are. And they're controlling. And they really never got the emotional aspect because the emotional aspect of changing, of self-worth, of feeling empowered is an emotional aspect that has nothing to do with other people. So, and what I mean by that is I don't need other people to make me feel good. Of course, I want to be connected because physiologically we all want to be connected, but I don't need to lord power over other people. That's a totally different, how do I put this? It's so different to operate from a place of heart than head. And when you are operating from your head, you are trying to control the masses. You're trying to put out a statement of it's do it this way. My way is the only way. And if you don't, then maybe your life's going to fall apart mm-hmm. or what have you. Cause I've heard that from other people in this industry where, you know, they, they think they have that kind of power. And the thing is I personally and professionally, I tell people, look, I'm just giving you tools. What you do with it is up to you. It's not me doing it for you because I can't. Right. No one can. Right. So a lot of times when you go to people who think that they're the tool, that they're the guru. And by the way, I don't believe in gurus. I think guruism is bullshit. Yeah. So, you know, it's like get people off a pedestal. We're all human. We're all flawed. Seriously. Yeah. And so we're all equal under the eyes of God, or if you don't believe in God, the universe or whatever, we are all equal. Yes, we are totally. I don't believe in a hierarchy. I find that bullshit. And I find that's an ego based vision. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, I look at it. It's two different parts. Let's say two different parts of you. If you're operating in your head, Your goal, perhaps you're focused on seeing dollar signs, right? And I'm not saying that, hey, I want to be poor and, you know, and and live in a tent and help people. It's that your focus is still on an Mm ego-based action Mm -hmm. and ego-based thoughts. So it really is a shift. It's a whole entire shift of how you operate. Yes, It is a shift in how you operate. And I feel like it's kind of if you are doing something and your goal is to control, then you're not in that authentic place. If you're doing something and your goal is love, no matter what the outcome, you're just giving your love, then you're in an authentic place. Yes, totally. Because you're going to be more true to who you really are and you're going to be more true to the statement of love because when, and that's the other thing real quick to go back to the attachment. A lot of people in, especially in our society think that attachment and love are the same thing and they're not. And for most people who get stuck in that and you can watch a movie, you can listen to a song and you're going to hear it over and over. It's what keeps you in your head. 
Because yes. love is not a head concept. It's a heart concept. Attachment is a head concept because it's based off of what you didn't get and what you're still trying to get. Right. So say that one more time because I really like that. So love is not in your head. Love is in your heart. Yes. And attachment is all in your head because it's a strategy to try and get you something that you think is missing from you. Exactly. So if you're in the love, you're in the right place. That's amazing. Thank you, Tracy. We'll be right back. We're going to talk to Tracy about the secret she loves about men. Can't wait. Food Heals Nation, are you looking for the perfect scheduling tool for your business? Are you sick and tired of sending emails back and forth and wasting your precious time on scheduling your clients? If so, we've got the solution for you. That's right. If you own a massage business, a therapy practice, a yoga studio, and we know many of you do, or even host a podcast like us, Acuity is the only scheduling and time management tool you will ever need. Take it from us. Acuity allows you to schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. And automate your client bookings, cancellations, reminders, and even payment with one click and zero frustration. You're here to make yourself money, not make yourself crazy. Clients can see your real-time calendar availability, self-select the time that works best for them, and easily book and pay for their own appointments in advance, sparing you those stress headaches, mix-ups, and grunts of frustration. Before we had Acuity, we were spending a ton of time and energy with back-and-forth emails, trying to book guests, and sending them questions, and having to constantly follow up and send reminders. But Acuity changed everything. Yep, Acuity has completely automated our process and freed up our time to focus on the things we love to do, like providing our Food Heals Nation with high-quality content. Yes, so now instead of a mess of emails, we send our guest a booking link. They choose a time that works for them. They fill out our information form, which includes links to their website, their bio, their photo, and all the information we need, all in one place. Then the booking syncs automatically with our calendars and poof, we're done. Such a time saver. Such a lifesaver. And Acuity does so much more. Yes, you can automatically send branded and customized confirmations, reminders, and follow-ups via email or text message, and even accept payments and tips through Stripe, PayPal, Braintree, and Authorize.net with the click of a button. Get started today. Go to acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals to get a 45-day trial. That's an amazing deal, Food Heals Nation. It's usually 14 days, but we scored an exclusive discount for you, acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals. We love it, and we know you will, too. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with Tracy Crossley. She's an intuitive empath and inspiration mentor. Her clients run the gamut from CEOs to men and women in work-life transition. And a lot of people who can't let go of a relationship, she's super helpful. Susie and I have both had transformational sessions with her. And boy, has she got stories. She has taught classes in meditation, tarot, vision boarding, amongst... Sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> I scroll forward so she can see the whole paragraph. Sorry. We're off our game today. We're so off our game. We're off our game. It's Thursday, not Tuesday. I know. Amongst. <laughs> 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 
Um, Blue Heels Nation, we're just going to leave this in so you see <laughs> what goes on behind the scenes. Sometimes we mess up and usually we cut it out, but we're well, we always laugh. Today's an off day for us. We're sorry. I'm going to start over. And boy, has she got stories. She has taught classes in meditation, tarot, vision boarding, amongst all the other mentoring workshops she has done. She always gives it to you straight, but with a lot of love and some laughter. Yes, lots of laughter. So, Tracy, (laughs) tell us, what is the secret you love about men? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is actually, you know, it's funny. When I came up with that... I had written an article, I think it was three years ago, and I described in it a couple of different things because it was really more than one secret. You know, to me, there were three secrets, and one of them is men can change. And why? What? I'm sorry. What? Wait a minute. Wait. We're both trying to change our husbands and we've accepted that we can. And you're wait, telling us Wait, we can change them. Wait. Wait. We need a session ASAP. When we hang up, we're calling her back. We're calling you back. Mike and Dan okay. are in trouble. It's, okay. It's funny, right? See? That was your reaction. So, get it. Sorry. All we right, interrupted. So, Go on. Okay. Men can change. And that is very fascinating to most people. At the time that I happened to write this, so I guess it was about four or five years ago, I had mainly men that I was working with. And like the type A women that I attract to my practice, obviously men are action oriented. And when a man wants to really make a change in his life, he is totally committed and focused, just like he would be on his work or what have you. It becomes that important to him. And as much as I've heard, because I used to see people in person when I first started coaching, and so these men would come to me, and it was just funny because I remember one of them saying, I really don't want to come. (laughs) I would like to avoid this, but I realize how much it's helping me and it's, it's helping me to change because a lot of men get stuck in, they can't be vulnerable, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So that's the other thing I love about men is that they can be vulnerable, but they're usually shamed when they are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so most of them won't do it. And to me, Men want to please. That's the other thing that I love about them. They do. They inherently want to please. We tend to stand in the way of that because we want things how we want them. We want the guy to show up how we want him to be, not actually how he is. And that's because mostly because society has set up this guy on a horse wearing armor, saving you from the the dragon. It's Disney. I blame Disney. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I sleep. I watched Maleficent the other day and I loved Sleeping Beauty, the animation. And it it was a beautiful movie. The Maleficent with. um, I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. It's it's actually really beautiful. It doesn't it doesn't like enhance these stereotypes. Uh, no, it does. No, it does. It reinforces them for sure. But it really did it in a new age way. It did it with. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Okay. And, and men do want to be that prince, but they know they fall short. And so a lot of times when they've disappointed over and over, they stop trying because they don't want to be shamed because mm-hmm. they don't want to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Because 
disappointment to men is huge. If you ever notice how well they don't handle it, they don't. So when they start to work on themselves, because most of the guys that show up or, or that I've worked with, and I still work with, most of them have a lot of anxiety and suffer from some kind of, well, they suffer from depression, but they suffer from some insecurities that make them show up in a certain way and they're totally miserable. And they realize that something has to change in how they approach life. You know, they know that, okay, something is going on here with my belief system. Like I get a lot of men who want to be Mr. Nice Guy. And Mr. Nice Guy suffers just as much as Miss Nice Gal. Mm -hmm. So you have somebody who's perpetuating this identity that isn't real so that they can get some kind of validation. And they overdo it. And that's like the guy who does everything for the neighborhood. And then he goes home and does nothing for his wife. Right. He yells at her and kicks the dog. Right. (laughs) 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 And it's it's because he needs that validation from other people, but he doesn't even know why. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about getting the awareness and what transpired at a certain point in their lives that made them feel they couldn't be vulnerable, that they couldn't even act on their real feelings because they'd be ridiculed or they'd be punished and they would feel shame. And so most of these men developed strategies because of course men go to their heads, we think much easier than women, but, but not really, not Mm -hmm. when it comes to blocking yourself from feeling an emotion, right? Trying to block pain. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're, we're pretty equal on that. Nobody likes to feel pain. So I have found that they would start to make the changes. We would discuss what they're going to go and do and they'd lead the session and they would go do it. And at the time I had women in my practice that would leave and wouldn't do it. And not that that's a bad or a good thing. It's not even a judgment call. It was just oh my gosh, this is so weird. And I have a friend that's a therapist and I remember talking to her about it and saying, this is so strange. Like these guys are changing and these women, <laughs> they're not. And then the kicker the women, I see, I can see this happening. The women don't even know what to do because they're so expecting the guy to fail. Yes. And here's the other thing. I had a guy at one point His girlfriend, who he had lived with for 10 years, was the one who brought him to Mm me. Mm -hmm. And she, of course, came in like she had no problems, like she's perfect, because that's usually the case. Well, we usually are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean? (laughs) The women, you know, we think, okay, this guy, he's a pain in the ass. And, you know, he keeps doing this. He keeps doing that. Long story short, I ended up coaching both of them. And again, this is when I used to coach people in person. And it was fascinating to me to watch how he had changed his behavior, how he felt differently. He wasn't this guy who was so full of anxiety and he wasn't depressed and he was starting to feel like he knew who he was Mm -hmm. for the first time in his life. And she did not react really well to that. And she kept talking about him in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, she needed she needed him to stay where he was because it was serving something within her consciousness. Even though she brought him in yeah. to see Tracy. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 It was fascinating. And 
he had a hard time. I mean, he had a lot of abandonment issues and Mm -hmm. that made it very difficult for him to want to leave the relationship, even though he really wasn't getting anything that was, let's say, positive from the relationship. She couldn't see anything like she couldn't see anything in herself. She couldn't see her own patterns. She couldn't see any of it. It was all focused on him. And like you said, trying to keep him where he used to be. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Did they stay together? Did they break up? <laughs> they, I know, right? Are you allowed to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> what ended up happening was I worked with him for a few years and it got to the point where he wasn't going to leave her. He couldn't do it. And even though he felt better in a multitude of ways, and I haven't talked to him in a long time, so they may not be together anymore. But at the end of our coaching together, he was still with her and he was leading a separate life from her. Mm. So in essence, he felt better as a human being. He lived his life differently. And at the same time, he felt responsible for her. And, you know, this is a guy who was abandoned by his dad as a kid. And then his mom basically was a workaholic. So he had nobody. And when you have a situation like that, it's a lot harder to move out of somebody you're attached to because this is an attachment to her. Because it's like a life or death. It's like, this is all I have and I'm going to hold on to it no matter what. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 And, well, you know, and that. it wasn't, you know, he was moving away from it at the time that we ended up uh, not coaching together anymore. But sometimes people get to a crossroads and they get scared and then they decide, you know what, I'm not going to coach anymore. I'm going to I'm going to stay here. I'm going to double down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, so. let me ask you about your coaching, because I'm sure Food Heals listeners are going to hear this and go, I want to coach with Tracy, but I don't live, you know, in LA. But you coach over the phone. And so I would love to just hear a little bit about your coaching practice, how you can help people. And if it is a relationship, and let's say it's like a similar situation, the woman wants to put her husband, but do you recommend coaching both the male and the female in the relationship so that they can then come together? Or what do you recommend in terms of like, if someone wants to change someone, someone wants to change themselves, is it best to do it together? Is it best to do separate with you, separate with two different coaches? Like, what is your recommendation? Okay. Well, and those are wonderful Wonderful questions because first Sorry, of sometimes all, sometimes I ask twenty. I don't mean to. No, no, no. It's okay. She's I, very I told, thorough. I do the same thing. I do. I add many questions on. And so, okay. To begin with, in my coaching practice, I work with people on the phone and Skype. I also did a retreat in April, and I'm going to be doing retreats twice a year. And I am going to start doing live workshops here in Los Angeles this summer. Fantastic. So, we'll be there. Keep us posted. Oh, I will. I will. And the other thing is I also do online programs as well. So there's a variety of ways that you can work with me. And that goes to anybody on the other side of the planet. I have clients globally. So awesome. um, Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. I have worked with couples and I have rarely worked with them together in the same room. Okay. Unless I am working with each individually. And that is because when I started coaching with this guy, I was probably, I don't know, a year into being a coach. And so I didn't really know 
hey, it's probably not a good thing that he's being pushed into doing this Mm -hmm. and not looking at the woman as being the problem. Right. (laughs) And not, you know, and and that she's trying to control and manipulate and get what she wants, even though I don't think she actually knew what she wanted. She just knew she didn't want what she had at that moment. So but I have coached other couples and usually when I end up coaching the guy, and, and in some cases I am only coaching a guy and I'm not coaching the woman. It just depends. But anyways, what ends up happening if they are actively working on their relationship and they want it to improve, then the one that I'm working with ends up sharing things from our sessions with their partner. And then the partner thinks, oh, well, could I talk to Tracy? And so then... I end up working with their partner separately and I don't tell, Hey, George, this is what Ethel had to say. (laughs) (laughs) Because this work is so individual. It really is about your individual beliefs and what you bring to the relationship. And at the same time, for some people, their relationships improve immediately. I have, <laughs> I have, I have one client right now, and I love her. She is so awesome, and I will tell you this little story. Basically, she was saying how she lives with her boyfriend, and they were having all these issues because she was doing everything. She was the people pleaser extraordinaire, and taking over everything, taking care of the dog, taking care of his kids, taking care of schedules, taking care of making dinner. And on top of it, she was trying to give him advice all the time. Right. Right. So basically as we started working together, it's like, okay, why don't we just focus on you and not advising him? Just stop and stop doing his stuff for him. Just stop. Right. Mm -hmm. Just to begin with, which was really hard for her. (laughs) She (laughs) (laughs) And so we're, we're doing a session and she's frustrated. She's like, "Ah, I just, she goes, I don't know what to do. I said, what do you mean? She goes, he's in there cooking dinner. What do I do? Oh, what a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I said, pour yourself a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) My kind of girl. (laughs) And then the next week she said, you know, it's funny, you know, he came and took me to lunch at work and he's talking about our future and I'm hearing all the things I never thought I'd ever hear from him. She goes, and I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I don't even know that I need to be in this relationship. What am I supposed to do if I'm not doing anything? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not really what's going on. You're allowing him to show up and to do whatever it is he wants to do instead of you controlling it. Right. 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 And so, you know, it was, it was just a funny transition for her and she's doing amazing. She's one of my type A personalities Mm -hmm. who she gets off the call and she goes and she does it and she sees results every week because of it. That's amazing. And I understand that because sometimes people don't know that they're comfortable being judgmental, right? And mm-hmm. so as much as they want the person to change, when that person changes, they don't know what to do. <laughs> like They're like, I don't understand. <laughs> this is not how we operate. He fucks up and I fix it, right? But that's not an ideal way to live. And even if they know that, they don't know how to handle it once actually. Because it's like you said earlier, like 
what do we know about men? Like men can change. And Susie and I were like, I'm sorry, what? We don't understand. Right. Because it's like, we expect, we have expectations. Like there are gender roles and like, we try not to subscribe to them, but sometimes we do. And then when they well, it's change. It's super complicated. Yeah, I, I think course. it's complicated to be a human on this planet at this time, period. It's complicated to be a woman. It's complicated to be a man. Maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe it's, maybe we're making it trying too, too hard or making it too complicated. Yeah. But mm-hmm. It's complicated. Yeah. Well, part of it is you can't change somebody. So anybody who's making an effort to change their partner, just stop. Just go cold turkey. Fine. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Apparently, Susie and I need some work and need some sessions with you. (laughs) No, I know. I know you're right. I know you're right. It's, you know, and I get it. It's hard, but it also has to do with our beliefs and patterns and why we do it in the first place. But the thing is, if you actually want someone to change and they say, oh, change yourself first. But really, it is about that. It's when we take the focus of all of the problems that we see off of the other person And we put the focus on ourselves and we say, what the hell am I doing? What is it I want? And am I even acting in alignment with what I say I want? And one of the things that most of us don't think about, especially in relationships, we go in with a win or lose attitude. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not love. That's like a boxing match. And then when people start to understand, well, wait a minute, if I'm here for love, I'm going to have a totally different response to this person because I love them and I want to perpetuate love than if I want to win. Mm-hmm. So that also plays into it because our society is built on that, right? Putting people down or, or in a relationship, putting somebody down, making them feel bad. So that what, what do they do then? Well, I know when I feel like I'm a loser, all I want to say is fuck you, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go, Oh, you're right. I'm wrong. What, uh, a, what did I do to contribute to this? No, you just want to say F you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You do. You just don't want to end up going, oh, yes, let me sing your praises and let me love you. No, you're looking at them and you're hating them and you're thinking, why am I with you? And all sorts of other lovely things. And that doesn't solve the problem. Then it just stays a pattern and you keep revisiting it because it doesn't work. Yeah. So, Tracy, you're going to help all of Food Heals Nation overcome their patterns, fix (laughs) their relationships, and how can they find you online? All righty. Well, they can go to Mm tracycrossley.com, and there you will find all of my events. I have a podcast, Mm -hmm. and you can find it there. You can find it on iTunes and also on SoundCloud as well. But I have a player on my website, and if you want just one place to get everything, that's the easiest place to go. You can also find me on YouTube. You can find me on all social media, and I don't know where else you can find me. And on Face, <laughs> the universe at large. Yes, I was actually thinking that. Floating around the moon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's where you're going to find me. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I have you as Tracy Crossley on everything except Facebook. You are facebook.com slash transformative coach. Yeah, because I did that about eight years ago when somebody said, well, you should put your title in and not your name. So there you go. Look, everything changes all the time. Who cares? 
just you can find her online at Transformative Coach. That's fine. yes. <laughs> just so everyone knows, because I hate it when I search for someone I can't find them. So just in case. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you for mentioning that. By the way, of Tracy, course. thank you so much for being here again. You are such a delightful guest, and I'm really serious. Record your laugh, please, for the world, <laughs> and then broadcast it okay. from the moon. <laughs> yes, from the moon, exactly. So everybody can hear and they can make fun of me. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> but see, it makes other people, it makes me laugh. Allison, does it make you? Yeah, I mean, that's one really, really positive aspect about coaching with Tracy because it's not going to be as heavy as you think. Like, yes, of course, you might work on your issues, but you've got her positive vibration, her laughter, and like you can laugh together and it's going to make you feel so much better to do a coaching session with her. So I highly, highly recommend it for that reason alone, just for the laughter. <laughs> and we, we take everything too seriously, right, Tracy? We gotta yeah. let it go. Right, right. Fuck it. Yes. I try Oops. to balance it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for having me. I was totally excited to be asked back, and I can't say enough how grateful I am. So thank you. Thank you, Tracy. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Food Heals Nation, don't forget to join our mailing list so you can get all the juicy details when we launch our Food Heals VIP Club. Yep, sign up today and we will email you a discount code that you can use to get 20% off anything in the club. The Food Heals VIP Club is a members-only club and holistic lifestyle brand where we will teach you strategies and classes in the fields of nutrition, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. All our favorite things to talk about. All of our favorite things. (laughs) The Food Heals VIP Club is something we've been working on for a while now, and we've just been putting our hearts and souls into it. It's been really fun and rewarding, and I just can't wait till we launch to bring you all this good stuff. So stay tuned for the launch date, but we are thrilled to bring you classes like How to Do a Juice Cleanse. Or if you are looking to add more vegan meals into your life, we're going to give you the perfect vegan meal plan for ultimate health, longevity, and vitality. Or if you have a health business like we do, we'll teach you the exact strategies we use to get sponsors, how to use affiliate marketing to build your business, how to attract more clients for your coaching business, how to rock the world of social media, and just so much more. And of course, we promise to get a little woo-woo on you and teach you all about energy healing in our manifestation classes and guided meditations, like how to manifest more money, or how to release food cravings, and even how to attract the one. I think we should get woohoo on them. <laughs> <laughs> so go to foodhealsvip.com, sign up today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately.